Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr Andrew Corbett. It's great to have you join us for the program. Whenever you are put in a position of leadership, there comes an increased level of responsibility. When a husband is described as the head of the house, it doesn't give him the right to lord it over his wife and family. In fact, he has a significant responsibility to provide for and protect his family. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossian church, he was very direct in his message to husbands about their behaviour in the family, and there is much we can learn from what he taught. Let's join Dr. Corbett now as he reopens the book of Colossians. Now, we've seen Paul talk about this, the need to be dependent on Christ, the need to be connected to Christ, the need to be found, his words, in Christ. We find this at the start of uh, chapter 3, where he, he calls... Um, uh, that in verse 3, you have died, your life is hidden with Christ in God, Christ who is your life. So Paul says we need to be intimately connected with Christ. If you feel you have grown cold in your heart, lukewarm in your heart, for God's sake, do something about it. And you can't do anything about it on your own. You need Christ. He is your life. Ask him for help. If you feel there's something holding you back from fully surrendering to him, for God's sake, get help and get it from God. If you feel your faith growing cold, if you feel you're being bombarded with doubt, and by the way, doubt is not the opposite of faith. Unbelief is. But if you feel doubt is swamping you, then for God's sake, get help. And it starts with a prayer and it can be prayed instantly. And there are times when you need to do that and you should do that. And there are people who say, I take the first three hours of my day to pray in the forest. Oh, good for you. But we can be naturally spiritual. We can be spiritual in every moment of the day. We can be bringing God into everything. And we don't have to look mystical or looks spiritual we can be doing it we can be in the midst of you know kids screaming and 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 you know phones ringing and and you know there's you put the iron down the wrong way and it's oh, let's go. Yeah, oh god <laughs> help help you know as a father of four there was a time when uh you know none of them had a license to drive a car and, and, and they're all playing some kind of sport or some kind of activity or some kind of work and on a Saturday morning you've got to be omnipresent you've got to get your kids into four different places at the one time and you've got one car to do it so you know when someone says so uh, what hobbies do you have? Driving and life can, get, life can get busy it can get busy and the point is let's not whip ourselves and beat ourselves up and condemn ourselves because we're not being like a mystic. I think life is meant, to bring, is meant to have God in every moment of it, bring God into every moment of it. I thank God that I'm baptised in the Holy Spirit in a way that has gifted me to pray in tongues. Oh, I tell you, that has been a, it's just been a lifeline for me. To be able to, when I'm just so exhausted, I can just pray in tongues and I just feel the strength of God. And I would encourage you to seek that. Here we come to... This section, and this is really where I want to look at what Paul seems to be saying something without saying it. And I'm going to head this section from Colossians chapter 3 and verse 18 down to chapter 4 and verse 1 as caring for the vulnerable. Caring for the vulnerable. We take a lot for granted today when it comes to family relationships. We take a lot for granted about marriage. We take a lot for granted about parenting because we are living 
in the aftermath. We are living in the wake of Jesus. And he has totally, radically revolutionised the way women are treated and the way children are treated. And if we were to look at who the two most vulnerable groups in society are, these would be in our short list of, I reckon, three groups. Two groups in this society, women and children, were very, very vulnerable. Women ordinarily didn't work outside of the home. They had no independent means of support. Children were totally dependent upon their father. So if a woman was divorced, there's very little option for her. And in many parts of the world, this is still the case, where the gospel has not yet run its course. And, and uh, just a, an idea that Christ's intention for the church is to be a light on a hill, not a light under a table. And I sometimes hear Christians say, well, maybe we, we need a good dose of persecution to drive us underground so the church can become what Christ wants it to be. Can I just throw this in as a thought? Christ does not want the church underground. He wants the church as a light on a hill, bold and bright and fully declaring the glory of God, fully declaring the word of God. And while we have freedom in our society, for God's sake, let's use it. For God's sake, let's use it. Because we may not have it forever. Anyway, here we have these statements. See if you can see what perhaps we're not being told. Here we go. Verse 18. The women are going to love this one. Wives, submit. How many women have actually got that word still in their Bible? Is it... Is it Liquid papered out? Is it blacked? Has it been ripped? Is it scratched out with fingernails? Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now, this is an interesting way Paul has put this because it's a little bit different to the way he's put it to the Ephesian church, which causes me to think that because he wrote these two epistles at the same time, it causes me to think something's going on here that we, we haven't been told about because he's put this little addendum to that statement, as is fitting in the Lord. Now that's an interesting little statement. As is fitting in the Lord. Now this is what I'd like to be able to tell women so I could, you know, become a preacher pinup boy, but I can't. And it's this. That word submit doesn't mean obey. It just kind of means if, if you like it, then go along with it. I'd like to tell you that's what it means. Unfortunately, it doesn't. Well, maybe unfortunately. It's actually a beautiful thing to, to be able to submit to your husband. What does it mean to submit? Well, it actually does mean to obey. In wedding ceremonies uh, where, where um, a couple, usually a Christian couple, are comfortable, the wife vows that she will love, honour and obey her husband and the husband vows that he will love honor and cherish his wife and uh, there are several several couples in this church that I've married you may want to go back and check your vows and that's what you actually vowed <laughs> and consider that now as is fitting in the Lord 
as is fitting in the Lord. In other words, it sounds like the Apostle Paul is saying something to the wives when in fact he's actually talking to husbands. And I want, you to, I want to see if you can see this. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. It's almost as if he's just said something to the men about this. As is fitting in the Lord. Because some men abuse this to the point of demanding absolute obedience. And that is not the overall tenor of Scripture. It's clearly not the overall tenor of Scripture. It's not what the Bible says. Should a wife blindly obey anything her husband says? Like, for example, if her husband asks her to violate what is clearly the commands of God, should she do it? No, she shouldn't. How do we know that? Because there is an authority over the husband. And he has the final say. In fact, that's the point of this epistle. So it appears that if a husband is not being like Jesus to his wife, a wife's submission becomes qualified. Now, where this becomes really tricky is when the wife decides, I don't like what my husband wants and what he's asking and all the rest of it. So here's the challenge to wives, and I think this is necessary to do before, before we really look at what Paul is saying, which I think is to husbands. But you gotta, your heart has got to be right here. God, help me to be a submitted wife. Now, I know in the world they talk about marriage being 50-50, but you know, in the Bible, marriage is never 50-50. It's 100-100. It's both parties giving it their best. Now, so being a godly wife, I think, at least looks like doing everything you can to make your husband a godly man. What might that look like? This is what I found. That where men won't step up, their wives usually do. And in every case where I've had to be involved in marriage counselling, where it has seemed like the wife was usurping authority, in talking with her privately, in every case, she will say, I don't want to do this. I don't like that I do this. I just want my husband to make a decision and take the lead. So, let's move on to the next verse. And, and I hope to present this case that this is actually not talking to women. This is actually talking to men. This, every bit of this is talking to men, but I want you to... See why I see that. Husbands, love your wives. Now, it's interesting. What we're going to see here is seemingly a don't do this, do this sort of pattern in, in this section. We're going to see wives submit to your husbands. But husbands, make sure you're acting in a way that is fitting. And husbands, 
love your wives. Now, that might sound like a strange thing to say. But a lot of marriage back then was, well, in fact, if not all marriage, was not done on the basis of the way we do marriage today. It wasn't done on the basis of romantic attachment leading to you know, full-blossomed love, leading to, will you marry me? Oh, yes, I will. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't that. A, a lot of marriage was, was political. Political even from the, the extent of um, arranged marriages. Now, I've got three daughters. I'm beginning to think there might be merit to this. <laughs> as the pastor of a church where we have several young ladies, I'm, as I go out travelling around now, I'm beginning to explore that maybe we just kind of, you know, pastor to pastor or, you know, just... But that's the basis of these marriages. So when we read a statement like this, husbands love your wives, what, we read that and go, well, yeah, that's why they got married. No, it may not be. No, it may not be. Now, consider this. If it wasn't, what is Paul actually telling husbands to do? Make a choice. Can you see that? Husbands, love your wives. Every husband who's sitting next to the wife right now should look at her with those eyes. You know the ones. And if you're holding a hand, just give it a little squeeze. Husbands, love your wives. Now, I don't want to go into the whole thing that, you know, you shouldn't date a non-Christian and, you know, marriage is meant to be equal, equally yoked and so on. That's, that's kind of basic stuff. But there's also a sense in which unequally yoked can be between two Christians. They see things quite differently. They have a different approach. They have different values. They have different, and, and, and we've got to be careful there as well. But husbands, love your wives. That sounds like a choice. That sounds like a decision. It sounds like something that you can choose to do or choose not to do. Husbands, love your wives. Now look at the last part, and do not be harsh with them. Now this is as far as I know, this is the only place in the New Testament where Paul says this to husbands. So I'm wondering, hey, 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 whoa, 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 what's going on? What's going on in this Colossae church? You're telling wives, submit to your husbands, but then you're putting a qualification on it as is fitting to the Lord, as is fitting in the Lord. Then you're telling husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh to them. Now, if I didn't know any better, I'd think that we had a lot of problems in this church in homes. And I'm, I'm beginning to see a pattern where the cause might be here. Let's see if you can see where this pattern keeps going. But you notice this, if there is a problem and it's, and it's the husband, it's the father of the home who's the problem, as I'm going to suggest it probably is, this is interesting that God still expects wives and children to honour and submit to with qualification. Now, now uh, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh to them. That's just, that's just, it's just like, love your wives and. I'll tell you, if I, was, if I didn't know what was coming, I, I wouldn't expect and don't be harsh to them. I wouldn't expect that. Love your wives and give them a hug. Love your wives and give them a kiss. Love your wives and buy them chocolate. Love your wives and get them flowers. Love your... Love your wives and don't be harsh to them. 
You see, this tells me that, that there wasn't love happening. This tells me that, that in, in medical terms, we do, you know, we do. In medical terms, they do triage in an emergency situation. Now, I'm sure if you want to know about that, you can talk to Karen and so on. But, but essentially is this. Let's figure out what's, you know, well, first aid. First aid, they, they have this thing called Dr. ABC, D, danger. Assess the danger. What's causing the problem? So, what, so here we've got a situation where quite possibly you've got husbands who are beating their wives, abusing their wives. The latest stats out of the, the, um, the, the last census is one in four children in Australia have seen their dad abuse their mother. Wow. Oh, wow. That's not right. On any level, that's not right. And that abuse might be verbal, it might be physical, or so on. Do not be harsh to your wife. So here, as, as husbands, uh, and, and again, you know, I, f- I almost feel stupid for even saying it, but for God's sake, if you're a husband here today and you are harsh to your wife, repent. Repent. And if you are feeling guilty and under conviction now, thank God. May it multiply a thousand times. Do not be harsh to your wife. I mean... Good grief. I, 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 don't even, I, I, I feel silly even saying because we, we should know this stuff. We should do this stuff. But in, in a Christian home, we shouldn't swear at each other. In a Christian home, we don't fight in front of the children. We don't have a disagreement in front of the children. That's being harsh. And we don't do that. I feel silly for even saying it because I just assume everybody knows this. And, and yes, of course we, we live like this. And I hope so. Verse 20. We know that God has ordained family, but God has also ordered family. And there is a divine order that flows from dad, mum, down to the children. Husbands, your first commitment is to your wife. Wife, your first commitment is to your husband. Then it's to your children. Verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything. And I guess when it, if this is addressing men, which I think it is, the men are probably on one level hearing Paul go, yeah, yeah, you tell them. Wife, submit, yeah. Children, you obey everything. Yeah, but hang on a minute. Look at what Paul's doing here. Wives, submit as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh to them. Children, obey your parents. In everything. It sounds like, if you can unpack this, and there are young men here who one day will become dads, and you need to know this, that order comes, carries with it responsibility. I've had, over the years, some of the most amazingly bizarre times when people have come and said, make me a leader, please make me a leader, please make me a leader, please. Okay, you're a leader. All right, good. What do I do now? (laughs) It's just bizarre. Moments that are like silly bizarre. If you're a leader, I don't have to tell you what to do. (laughs) If if, If you accept that you've got a position, you are automatically saying you carry responsibility. You carry responsibility. And, and every mother, every father knows what it's like to care for a sick child in the middle of the night when you're tired, when you don't want to get up. 
You know, we, we, we battle with Ruby celiac disease where even last night, you know, she was cramping in pain and, and the whole house knows about it. And Kim gets up at three in the morning to attend to her. Um, I almost did. <laughs> the Lord was speaking to me and I couldn't interrupt. It was, it was vague, but it was coming in dream form. Anyway, so... <laughs> But it carries responsibility, it carries weight. And here, yeah, it sounds like children, obey your dad, because this pleases the Lord. So here's, here's, here's a question, and there's a great book called Shepherding Your Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. I recommend it, strongly recommend it. And he says this, a lot of parents come to the pastor or the youth pastor or whatever and say, oh, I've got problems with my kids, they're not obeying, fix them. And I've had that as a, as a pastor and a youth pastor, I had that. And that is the most, again, that is just a bizarre thing because notice this, children obey your parents in everything. All right, where's the responsibility lie for children carrying out that verse? The parents, can you see that? Who is it that teaches their children that it is necessary for them to obey their parents? Because this is pleasing to the Lord. Why is it pleasing to the Lord? Because God is described as our Heavenly Father. And God has placed in the home people who represent Him to the two children. And it's mums and dads, it's you. Particularly fathers. And who's responsible for teaching children to obey? It's actually the parents. And how do you do that? Well, not only do you say it, you act on it. When the child isn't obedient, there's the necessary, there's, there's something very necessary that must happen from the father's responsibility to make it happen. So, again, it sounds like children, da da da, but it's actually talking to fathers. Again, fathers, this is your responsibility. And Paul actually says this in the, in the epistle to the Ephesians. He actually says that it's the father's responsibility not to exasperate their children. We go on the next verse, verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So what, what, what's happening here is when, it, when, when we talk about responsibility of the father, and I just want to mention this briefly. Husbands, there's three Ps. That they must be. One, a husband must be a provider. The husband must be a protector. And the husband must be a priest. And we could look at what that means, but I hope you can flesh that out. That's what the husband must be. If you're a single mum looking after a kid, children, you have a doubly hard job with half the resources. And we want to do what we can to help you. But if you're a, an intact family, thank God. But husbands, it's time to step up. Provider, protector, priest. So as children are to obey their parents, fathers, it says in the next verse, are not to treat their children in a way that provokes them and leads them to being discouraged. So what are fathers to do? They're to encourage their children. To encourage their children. How do you encourage their children? How do you encourage your children? We'll figure it out. But some of us who are going to become fathers adopt this. 
that you need to encourage your children. Right Now, where's the last section of this going? We come to verse 22. Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. So this section is about believers in, in today's language being employees. How are we to serve those we work for? One of the things that will impress your employer is if you arrive early, work hard and not be too quick to go home. Does that mean you should stay hours and hours? No, not at all. But it, 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 there is a sense of putting in, and I think that's the sentiment of this verse. So as believers, we have a Christian work ethic, a Christian work ethic. And our work ethic is not to do the minimum. You know, there are some people that, that um, when you say, uh, how are you going? Been busy? They go, some Christians say, nah, not at all. Oh, you're working hard? Nah, I'm trying to get away as least I can. And I think that's not, I know you're trying to be funny, but you're really stupid. And you're a special kind of stupid because you haven't read this. So anyway, so then the next verse, praise God, just keep going. Just to... <laughs> verse 23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you work for whoever you work for, LGH, or uh, school, or whoever it is, they are not actually your boss. Jesus is. He's just using them to get some money through to you. (laughs) But he's ultimately your boss. You're working for him. And he has a reward that goes much, much longer and um, survives much, much further than mere money. Uh, For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. So Christ takes a really strong view about our work ethic. And here's the final section. It's in chapter 4, verse 1. And this is where we look at believers as employers. Believers as employers. And may we have more of them. This is what it says. Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Wow, simple but profound statement. And again, it seems to suggest to me that in the households of those days, you had the husband, his wife, the kids, and the slaves, the servants in that house. And who's being targeted here in each of these? It seems like it's the head of the house. It, it seems like there was a problem. It seems like men were arrogant. It seems that they were rude. They were brash. They were harsh. They were inconsiderate. And one of the things that when I do a wedding, I, I have each, each of the, 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 the couple will vow to each other that they will honour one another. And honour means to be considerate. It means to listen. It means to talk. It means to hear. It means to exchange. It means to be together. You can't be harsh when you do that. You can't be arrogant and rude and you can't be saying, well, shut up and submit. That's harsh. And if you say that here, we will pray for you with a slapping on of hands because that (laughs) needs to be out of your thinking. Because that's not right. Uh, did I say laying on of hands? Oh, gee, those, those slips, they just keep going. Father, help us to be people that live our lives in the home, in the workplace, 
as fitting to you. Father, help the women of this church to be godly women who submit to their husbands. But Father, help the husbands to lead their families in prayer, to lead their families in devotion, to be challenging their children. How are you going with Christ? How is your Bible reading? What are your prayer needs? Father, help the men to step up and become priests of their home. I pray, Father, that the children of the homes of this church will be happy. I pray, Father, that the wives of the homes of this church will be happy. And I pray, Lord, that the men of the homes of this church will be strong in God. And everyone said, Amen. If you're a husband now or will one day be, there are some pretty clear instructions about what's expected of you in your role as head of your family. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Colossians Part 9, are available from Lagana Media. You can contact us at P.O. Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277, or via the website, findingtruthmatters.org. If you'd like to subscribe to the monthly e-newsletter Perspectives, visit findingtruthmatters.org and click subscribe. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to having you join us at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.